If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast with my partner in crime, Brian Siegler. I am Curtis Wilson. Brian, how are you today, my friend? There is football on the television. I am doing wonderful. There is multiple football on the television, buddy. Multiple. Um, you sent me a picture. What you got going on there? All right. So we're, we're recording the podcast. I've got my desktop. I've got my notes here. I've got you coming through here. Got a laptop to my right. Miami UAB. Got the television above my head. Chiefs Texans. I'm going to probably be flipping back and forth to Lakers Rockets. I'm probably going to be flipping back and forth to uh, uh, see how the Braves game maybe ends up here. I'm not sure if that's come to conclusion at this point or not. So it's a good night. What about you, buddy? You got full command center style there, man. Love it. And same on this end, brother. I got I got the Red Sox game on. I got the UAB Miami game on. I got the Chiefs and Texans on. Travis Kelsey just scored a touchdown. I don't own them anywhere. Um, I don't know if you do or not. Uh, I got you I'm right. Playing against someone that has my home, so I'd hey. like to see less of that the rest of the night. But we're all right. Mm-hmm. That's I'm cool. expecting him to get his. Exactly. Got you right here in front of me on Skype. Got the whole podcast stuff here. Ready to go, man. Um, been a while, but after last weekend, we had football. You were down at the beach, so we were like, yeah, let's just wait till Thursday. Be a fun night to record. Um, catch any games last weekend while you were down at the beach, or were you strictly beach mode? Strictly beach mode. Um, I was ironically watching the uh, wicked tuna outer banks while at the outer banks. So I was doing some meta situation there. Um, but that was, that was fun. Strictly beach though. We didn't really catch many games. I was following along a few things um, while I was there on my phone, but wasn't watching much. Uh, we were, we were with some of our, uh, our neighbors at a, at a house there in the outer banks. So kind of let them, you know, be the uh, be the guide of <laughs> what was on the television for the most part. So, how no. about you, buddy? You catch anything? Caught some, caught um, 
caught the Army game where they just ran like crazy. It was sort of insane just watching a triple option offense. Um, caught some of the game Monday night where, hey, listen, it, it matters if you tackle in practice. Hey. Navy looked like shit. And normally, service academy schools, regardless who they play, they don't look like shit. They look fundamentally sound, if nothing else. They look terrible. And, of course, it comes out the day after they had been tackling, and immediately, yeah, we got to start tackling in practice. So, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I don't know if you caught it, but you catch the uh, the video that came out from Hokie Football that showed uh, a lot of the defensive um, highlights from practice. Showed a lot of tackling drills. Yes. I like seeing that. <laughs> Especially after you know what happened when you didn't tackle. But, exactly. yeah, but it's funny. Those two teams, BYU and Army, play in a couple weeks. So it's going to be interesting because they both looked absolutely dominant um, in their games. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I caught a couple games Saturday night, but I really wasn't paying attention um, here and there. And then, uh, so yeah, but, uh, let's get to it. We got a lot of stuff to go through. Um, been some pressers, been some news to release. Let's start with the biggie, man. And this makes you a happy camper. Everybody's heard by now. It's official. It's official. Raheem Blackshear is eligible. Brian. Now, now, now we're about to go ham. Cause again, I've been saying it since, you know, he announced that he was, committing to Virginia Tech this guy could be a problem on the offensive side of the ball and everything that's coming out of camp backs that up everything that coach Fu has said everything that the quarterbacks have said has backed that up this guy's going to be a weapon he's going to be a tool he's going to do a lot of different things um you know the biggest thing is that he does a lot of things really damn good yeah. And so you can you just can deploy him in so many different ways, and he you know he, it's almost impossible to prepare for a player like that because you know you can line him up everywhere. You can't just say, all right, well, we'll roll the we'll roll the defense towards him or roll this one player towards him. Now he's going to be in the backfield. He's going to be in the slot. He might split out wide. I mean, there's just so many different ways and different things you can do with him. You can run jet sweeps with him. Everything. Yeah. Everything. It was really awesome to hear some of the stuff that he talked about, too, especially, um, you know, you hear him and Fu when he got the news, like like Fu walked up to him and basically said, you better be ready to play. And that was basically it. He talked about talking with uh, Brock a lot about the transfer situation. Brock really telling him to stay positive. Um, but you mentioned it, and it's been said, and it's been seen that guy is unique. He can go everywhere. We're going to probably touch a little more later on. Um, especially with the wide receiver groups, um, some news on there. But it's a great thing. It's a great thing because now that that missing – you feel like the missing piece. If there was ever a player built for this offense, it's him. You get him on the field, and, you know, it, it's it, and it feels like a win. It feels like all these years we had lost in the portal and we lost in the portal and we finally won one, and when you win it, it – the caliber of player you're getting is a huge win. It's not like you're getting a very solid, probably going to be a contributor. You're getting a guy that's going to be on the field every snap. Yep. Awesome. Well, lo and behold, Saturday, while you were at the beach, I blow you up because out of nowhere, 
<laughs> I love freaking Field. Jack Holly Field commits to Virginia Tech. The three-star little brother of the linebacker Dax Holly Field commits. Looking at him as a tight end, um, you know, had some pretty good offers. You know, you kind of look here, you know, Michigan, Maryland, um, you know, NC State, North Carolina. Tennessee, good offer list. He plays linebacker in high school. Now, Brian, have you looked at his tape and tried to make this a what he does in his build of okay, what's he going to do with the tight end? Because it appears that's where we're taking him. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he's going to be tight end for us, and probably going to be almost like a Dalton Keene type player for us. I would imagine with his skill set, his size, and his speed, um, that that's what I would project him doing is kind of more of a H H back guy that can lead out, but also a guy that can block in line as well. And, um, you know, has some of the athletic tools to, to do some damage in the screen game and in the short passing game. So I look for him to do stuff like that. High three-star rated guy on two, four, seven. Um, they still rate him as an inside linebacker there, which is odd considering they actually have his, his projected position as tight end. So I'm not sure how that rating is helping or hurting us at this point. I don't know if he would be rated higher if he was being rated as a tight end, or if that is just reflective of what they think he is across the board. Um, so it's interesting there that he's not either rated as an athlete or as a tight end. He's rated as a position that he more than likely will not play at the division one level. So that's interesting, but I mean, it's a, it's a great get. Um, and we've said it before brothers play at Virginia tech. Very Here's true. another one. So um, you know, it's a, it's a good get. And, and like I said, nice to, to keep the family thing going for us. Absolutely. And, and with this commitment, um, helps Hokies, helps the Hokies in the, um, rankings moving up to 28. So now officially top 30, um, staying at five, moving a little higher in the ACC rankings. Um, and again, we look at two, four, seven, we don't look at composite. And for those who haven't heard, Brian, you, you do the explanation of, Rivals, okay. They're not having camps. Rivals tries. But the one that jacks it up. I mean, ESPN, I mean, that, that's the one that really, because you never know when they're going to reevaluate. And then a lot of guys that don't have a big offer list, they don't rate it all or throw a generic, you know, three-star rating on them. That's essentially the lowest average three-star rating you can attach to a player. Um, so it's really hard to know what that rating even tells you. Um, it's there, it's part of the composite, but oftentimes it doesn't tell you a whole lot, especially for guys that aren't, that, that don't have a big offer sheet that aren't going to all these camps and things like that. Um, Rivals is kind of in the middle there. They tend to rate more based on their camp evaluations than they do on a lot of the high school tape. So, you know, mileage may vary depending on offer list and, and who's going to what camps and how many camps they're going to and things of that nature. Um, two, four, seven seems to be good because they do look at the whole picture and they do reevaluate their rankings on a periodic uh, time frame. So that's why we we base our opinions. We, we, we carry their their opinion with a with a higher regard than the, the other publications. But. Unfortunately, when it comes to the total class ranking, composite still seems to be the 
the go-to default by both 247 and um, any publication that's, you know, talking about those rankings in general. So it's really hard to, to get away from it, but I like what 247 does better than the rest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, Brian, I feel like it's about every month you give that synopsis. It's a great synopsis. <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, it's very true. And uh, it's why we go with them and, it's kind of why we'll stick with them. And you look at where they got players; they usually hit more than uh, more than not. Speaking of recruiting, um, added a new staff member since the last time we talked, Brian. Yes, um, we did. Yeah, Alex White, uh, young lady, the UNC graduate from 2020. While there, she had worked for the UNC's recruiting coordinator and director of on-campus recruiting, which is her title at uh, Virginia Tech. Um, she had also, she had most recently been up at Appalachian state in a similar type role, but obviously, you know, there is, there is steps of where you take and, um, you know, it's, it's what we needed. We're, we're still years behind, but seeing the, that the pieces are being added, it's nice. Yeah. And like you said, she's coming with some good qualifications here. Um, was in a um, role like this at UNC where she graduated, then moved on to App State, which, um, you know, there she was doing something very similar, director of on-campus recruiting. Um, I think it's a really big uh, ad. The one thing that stood out to me was when I was looking, apparently she also did um, defensive film breakdown while at App State. Oh, wow. Which I thought was a pretty cool thing to add that comes to the table there um, when you talk about on-campus recruiting. So it sounds like, you know, there's, you know, she's not just someone that is there to handle the logistical things of the on-campus recruiting. It sounds like she can talk shop a little bit with the recruits as well, which is, I think, a very good uh, attribute to bring to, the, to this role. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do in this role. Absolutely. Love hearing that she's helping break down tape again, you're going to be on campus with them and you're going to be showing them a lot of things. But if you need to talk to shop, that is such a key. She's also a baby, man. I mean, she's literally going to be four years older than most of these guys. Yep. Four years older. That's insane. You don't want to talk about connecting with the recruits that are coming on campus. This is someone you need. This is the age group you need. Yep. And as much as you, um, you know, with Corey and, you know, Gavea Winslow coming back, they're a little bit older doing the football side of things. But if we're looking at this on-campus recruiting thing, this is this is kind of the, the formula. Yeah. Fresh out. Now, do you want to add some maybe some Hokies to assist her? Absolutely. Give her give them give her some people that can help with the lay of the land. Do you want to be former football players? We don't know. Let her build her staff though, of, of who she feels like is going to be the best to help out. But again, we're slowly catching up. All right, Brian, let's get to the big news because not, not that the other stuff isn't big news. I mean, <laughs> a couple weeks ago was massive news. Holly Field, we were waiting, we were waiting, we were hoping he comes in. Building the recruiting staff, big news. But yesterday, Wente comes out and basically says he has made his decision, and that decision is? Hendon Hooker is our starter. I am shocked. Shocked. Not shocked at all. Not shocked. Um, um, what, what was a little shocking, um, not, not so much shocking, but 
maybe turned a few heads, I would say. Um, uh, Braxton Burmeister will be uh, will play against UVA and will likely have a role in the offense this season, regardless of, of Hooker's starting role here. So um, that wasn't exactly there wasn't a lot of details about what that's going to look like. So, I mean, what did, what did you take from that, Curtis? All right. Well, I took a couple things from the Braxton move. I, I think this is with all the craziness going on by saying this, it's a kind of a chance to keep Braxton. Hey, you're going to be part of the offense in some way. So we can keep you in house versus him going to the portal. As we see, we get three, four games in guys. will get in the portal, try to get to the next stop. Even though he's not losing eligibility this year, you still want to try to get where you potentially could play next. So maybe that's one reason. Um, but other reasons is it's it, it you force other teams to game plan. Um, you know he he does have more speed than Hendon. Not that Hendon's slow, but he has more top end speed than him. So you're making teams have to look at additional tape. Now, when the UVA comes around, we'll see how much he actually plays. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting thing. But honestly, this is, this is, I want to put this and make sure it sounds right. So, Brian, slap me if you need to. Gotcha. If I told you Hendon Hooker after the end of this 11 game season completed 68% of his passes, threw for 26 touchdowns versus four interceptions, Hendon Hooker is six foot four, 225 pounds. If he has that type of season, he could potentially move on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not. I, I mean, I, you try to be a realist here, but six foot four, two hundred twenty pound guys who are somewhat athletic, um, you know, he has a really good season. He could move up the draft board and potentially have to say next year, "Hey, I'm gone." And what you get to do with this by having Braxton potentially start playing is you don't lose him. Yep. You don't, you don't lose him and you get him some meaningful reps in the offense. He would potentially be taking over should head and hooker move on. Um, I mean, I, I like what you're saying about the, the idea of gamesmanship for UVA. I think that's part of it. Um, I think there's some other aspects that play into it as well. Having a unique skill set across all three of these quarterbacks, I think the reason you're seeing Braxton get more run is that a guy like QP is going to have more of a specific type of package designed for him if we get him involved in the offense. But other than having a little bit more athleticism, the offense would more or less run the same whether Hendon's in there versus Braxton. So I think having him as the guy that's kind of the the plug there – works in that regard. But like you said, they all bring things different to the table. So I think that's going to be something that um, coach Fuente plays around with it. And he said it during the presser that, you know, Braxton had done a lot during camp and, you know, made, made a point that he had a lot of athleticism and a lot of um, could make some plays and that essentially saying it's going to be hard to keep me off the field, even if I'm not, you know, the starting quarterback. So exactly. But, I mean, he also said a lot of great things about him to talk about. He's just been pleased with everything he's done throughout camp. He continues to grow. Um, but also me and you looked at that picture of Hendon at the podium yesterday. 
Yep. Hendon looked bigger. And I know they said his weight's down a couple pounds. He looked bigger in his chest. We saw some of the photos of him practicing. His legs look bigger. Yeah, um, I think he, he's more solid. I think, um, you know, when we look at look at him, he might be down a little bit weight-wise, but I think he's kind of spread out a little bit, as it were. He's not, not so much, um, you know, string bean down low anymore. Not anymore. So, so I think uh, I think that's gonna be good for us, and I liked I liked that uh, Coach Fuente went ahead and said you know Hendon's our starter because that that's what we wanted to hear that's where we wanted to go. Yeah. Um, it's nice starting the year with a quarterback that you are um, familiar with and that you know can lead the offense, you know doesn't turn the ball over. So I'm excited about that. It brings some continuity and it and it it's a guy that has shown himself to be a leader and that all the guys on that offense trust. Exactly. And, you know, you also see Hendon talked about it. He was working out in the triad with, with Trey, with the old hokey DJ Cross and with the Cohen from the bears. Um, again, it, me and you talked about it. His dad was a hell of a quarterback um, when he played, you know, you know, Hall of Famer, I think, down at um, North Carolina A&T. I don't think he let Hendon and his little brother just chill out during quarantine. I think he was like, you need to go get better. Yep. And it looks like that's what happened with um with Hendon. All right. So quarterbacks are set. Feel good about it. Feel really good about it. But then we got bad news. My breakout player, and I will put him as my breakout player. <laughs> um, official, he did break something. We don't know ankle, leg. Um, is out indefinitely. They did not say for the season, just indefinitely. Um, it's definitely a blow. But we're going to talk about the wide receiver room in a little bit here, Brian. But Brian, give me your personal experiences with the ankle injury. I mean, do you think he's done done? Like we're not going to see him until spring ball next year, or could he show back up? Uh, a lot of that's going to depend on whether there was any ligament damage in the ankle, uh, if that's what was broken, or and and the severity of the um, the break. More than likely, if it was a pretty clean break, um, he's going to be probably eight to 10 weeks total healing and then probably maybe one or two weeks to get back up to, to, to playing shape after that. So you have some potential to get him back for Clemson, maybe a bowl game. If it's something like that. Now, if it's ligaments, um, you're talking about more invasive surgery. You're talking about longer recovery time and you're talking about longer, um, like physical therapy, um, after, you get past those, the recovery stage. So um, that would push him more into the kind of late December, um, ramping it back up in late December. And I just don't think that that's, that's something that's worth rolling the dice with as he's coming off that injury, because with ligaments, it takes a while to get them back to where they're operating at the same level. I had an ankle injury my senior year and of high school and I was, even fall of the following year to start off, I wasn't quite the player that I was the year before in terms of flexibility and being able to, to drive off of that, that ankle um, with the same degree of, of power that I could before. 
Um, one off season in that program knocked that out, but you know, it, it's, it's one of those things to, to keep an eye on and you're going to want to, um, not rush a kid back if he's got that type of ligament damage. Yeah, makes sense. So let's let's hope for a speedy recovery. Let's hope it was a clean break. Let's hope maybe we get him some on-field time at the end of the season. Now, something Fu came up with and said that kind of I think took all of us aback. Basically, said if we were to have to play NC State this week, it was going to be a struggle. Which I think we all went, huh? Um. You know, Jaden's out. We know other guys are probably banged up. But, um, you know, me and you, we saw that, and me and you had some conversations, did some digging. Um, and, Brian, we, you know, me and you both can say we saw this. Reports are there is one major starter that would be out due to COVID. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the big things that we're going to probably see as the season goes along is that, you know, there's going to be the potential that a primary starter could miss a game or two, depending on depending on what happens here. Um, obviously, if they actually you know, test positive, that's kind of a worst case scenario because you're talking about potentially other side effects from the illness impacting you know more than just that quarantine period. Um, but if we're talking about you know things like contact tracing, I mean that can impact several players at one time depending on the interaction so that's definitely going to be something to keep a keep an eye on um it seems like this player may or may not be available come uva time uh, that that's to be seen but um it, it is something that i think we're just going to have to deal with this year and unfortunately you know it's impacted us here and again could have been a bigger issue if nc state was still on the schedule so Kind of, kind of glad we dodged that bullet, even though we were uh, we were hammering NC State about a couple of weeks ago about prematurely moving that game. It, it it tends to to come back to help us out a little bit here in this case. So big time help because when you hear the way he was talking, and you know, there's probably going to be some camps bumps and bruises where you'd like to get one extra week of just a little healing from other players, and this shit happens. Um, and then we're hearing their skill positions that are cross training, you know, wide receivers playing corner. Um, you, 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 Brian, tell them what you texted me earlier about this and the coaches this year. Yeah, they're definitely going to earn their money, man. Um, because they're, they're juggling a lot of different things. Um, and that's not even getting into the, logistical aspects of the protocol that they're following just the on the field stuff and not knowing when you're going to have your guys ready to go, how when one player gets sick, that can impact an entire room or an entire, um, you know, if you're dealing with an apartment, two or three players on a team or something like that, if they're in living quarters, I mean, it can, it can be some, some big problems. And I, like I said, the coaches are definitely going to earn their pay this year, regardless of, of how that record ends up. Um, hopefully it ends up in our favor here, but um, it, it's definitely going to be a struggle throughout the year. It's going to be sh- struggle with the patience of the fans, because I think they're going to see, you know, some big names at some point in the season are going to be sitting out for reasons that aren't directly related to, you know, major injuries or things like that, that we're, accustomed to seeing. So I think there's going to be some frustration there, but I think 
it's like anything else. I think the coaching staff and the players are going to come out of this on the other side better for it, but it's it sucks when you're in the moment. Absolutely, man. So you said it to me. They will earn their money this year, and, um, you know, definitely they're trying to do things, and I think it's going to be weeks we as college football fans, not just Virginia Tech fans, we're going to be watching a game and there's going to be somebody not there. And it's not going to be like, you know, he didn't, there was no reports of him banging his ankle or, you know, bruising his shoulder. Oh crap. Did he get it? And now I know people have been saying a lot. Oh, CDC guidelines, 14 days. No CDC guidelines are no longer 14 days. So I wish people out there to keep saying that would correct themselves. It's 10 days now. Correct, Brian? Yes. It is 10 days. So, and obviously, I think some of the protocols are you can 10 days quarantine or three consecutive negative tests to confirm it. You're you're done with it. So, obviously, you know, ACC is testing three times a week regardless. I think if you've got a player and you know he's one of your big players and they get it, you know, there's going to be – test him every day, every day. Let's see if we can bang out three negatives to get him back at practice. So, Yeah, yeah I'm not sure how the protocol works on that. I know we had, we had talked about that before, but the big thing that I'm questioning at this point is that I see the, the, the specific protocol is that if a player misses a game due to COVID, that they would need to have consecutive tests on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of the following – week in order to play a game on Saturday. But I don't know how that impacts this situation where we haven't played a game yet. So I don't know if we're technically considered in season yet or not because we're, we haven't started our season. Um, so I don't know if we can just kind of, as soon as we get three consecutive tests, whether it's, you know, in on that game week or not, whether that would clear someone to start practicing again or whether you have to, follow that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where we might only get like a walkthrough um, yeah. with, with that player before, you know, we go to play a game. Yeah. Just, just more things answered than un, or unanswered than answered about this stuff. All right. Let's get back to good, good news. Um, mentioned Raheem Blackshear, Brian got the eligibility immediately. Even the loss of JMPO boosts the room significantly. Um, Found out, and I want to get your take on this. Mention that Tavion Robinson would be playing some on the outside, confirmed by Fuente. What does that tell you, A, about him and about what this offense could potentially look like? It tells you that some of the things we've been talking about on this podcast have come to fruition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We had talked about Tavion playing outside. as soon as we saw Blackshear was going to be playing for us this year, potentially waiver <laughs> waiver, notwithstanding now that we've got it. That's the reason he's been playing outside some, because we want to get our three best guys on the field a lot. And that's in terms of the receiving position, I think is going to be Trey Tay and Blackshear yeah. under both circumstances with, um, with Mitchell out there um, playing tight end and maybe even splitting out wide. But what I like is that you can match up so many different uh, situations here with the same personnel. So you, you can run 21 personnel. You've got, let's just say we got Herbert at, at running back. 
Blackshear is the second running back. We've got a tight end with James Mitchell, Trey and Tay outside. You can put Blackshear in the slot. You can put Blackshear in the wing. You can split um, James Mitchell out wide and put Tavion in the slot and have two running backs with um, Blackshear taking either something in the jet sweep or t- running a seam from the wing. There's so many different things that, that you can line up. And if we're talking about running tempo, and that's what we like to do when we when we get some big plays in there, you can run tempo with so many different formations here without ever having to sub because you've got a guy like Blackshear that can literally line up at three or four positions at any given time and a guy like James Mitchell that can split out wide and play inline tight end. And play the H back. I think the one thing me and you mentioned today when we were talking about some of the formations would be you could say let's flex. We mean you mentioned let's keep Trey at the X. Let's put Mitchell out at the Y and then put Trey and Heem inside the slot with Herbert. And you kind of sit there. And when I asked you, I was like, Brian, what happens in that situation? And you were like, either the strong safety is going to walk over or one of the linebackers are going to walk over with James Mitchell. Because I don't think you're going to keep a significantly undersized corner on James Mitchell, especially when you've got Tavion and or Raheem in the slot. They have to go with them. And then you'd start talking about what – what, and then I asked you, I said, Brian, what if you run a jet sweep out of that? What happens? And you essentially said – You've lost leverage. I mean, now you've got a, a guy you like to have in the box, out of the box, and that alley just opens up. And, and that's going to be dangerous there. With the three other guys on the field that can touch the ball, and all of them we have seen run jet sweeps for significant – big gains, it's scary because as soon as that safety has to walk, a couple things are going to happen. That safety walks over, cool. Where's that free safety? Is he staying back 15 yards or is he coming up on the box? Because if he's coming up in the box, man, you talk about like running a Herbert pop pass or running a Heem pop pass or a quick slant or something, just attacking, essentially stressing them to say, you better not make a mistake with the way you're playing on the outside or you're going to get burned because you have no one back there to protect. Attack the seam with, with whoever we extreme got. prejudice. Exactly. <laughs> now something else mentioned about the wide receiver groups that again, with the Jaden injury, basically Changa and Evan are pleasing coach. They're picking up things quick. Um, I, I don't think that shocks us with the age of those guys and being, you know, Changa being at Villanova for three years, Villanova's, Always pretty good FCS team. Um, Evan being out of Kansas, um, seen several offenses. Again, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good. Like I think with Evan Fares, you get in the red zone. Okay, throw him out there and put James on the other side. Let Trey stay in down here. Put him in the black backfield. Yep. <laughs> um, and and they bring up some some other mismatches there. I mean, when you're talking about those two guys being, you know, with the skill that fairs brings and then with the just the output that hodge brings to the table i mean those those are guys that you're talking about are the first man off the bench potentially for us i mean that's that that's crazy that that you're talking about getting guys in there that you're going to see very little drop off between when you have to sub or when you have to have a guy that uh needs to come on for a particular role or, or something like that in the red zone. Cause I think Ferris is going to play that red zone role that, that Hazleton or 
Phil Patterson played for us in the past with the, with those uh, red zone fades. Absolutely. Also, we hear Caleb Smith, who caught some balls last year, is continuing to take good steps. And you mentioned it, Brian, just the personnel groupings we have the potential for now with the running backs, with the wide receivers, with the tight ends, with, you know, with Mitchell and Gallo and Drake. There should uh, – I, I don't want to put any eye on the spot. If we don't average 36 as we did with Hendon starting last year, somebody got to get fired. Yeah, because we, we definitely have – the personnel <laughs> to create a lot of matchup problems. Um, we may not be at the top end, have a, have a guy like Hazleton that, you know, can run deep, but can also, he's got the size to, to make plays in the red zone as well. We may not have that player anymore that in, in one package, but we've got so many dynamic players that we can mix and match as we need to there's no reason we shouldn't be as good or better on offense than we were with Hendon at the, at the helm last year. Um, I will say this, it's kind of funny. I know they were talking about, uh, you know, talking about the quarterbacks, the new nickname for hooker. Did you see it? Oh, 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 Captain hook, Captain hook, Captain hook. I like it. I like it. We'll we'll keep that running. Yeah. We need to keep that running. The captain, the the hope is, even though it's not Captain Hook, I hope he, you know, scores a touchdown and gives a Captain Morgan's pose. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, so all things considered, what's happened over the last few weeks has been relatively positive news for the Hokies on numerous fronts. Um and it's awesome. And it's awesome that we're sitting here tonight, uh fourteen seven Houston. 14-7 Miami. Uh, Derek King, eh, he looked okay. I'll uh, tell so, you what has not looked okay. What's that? The, the Miami Hurricanes offensive line. Hold on. <laughs> Shot. <laughs> nah, that offensive line was still going to be bad. Porous. Now, what we thought was going to happen and what may still potentially happen as the season goes along is that the air raid and having a quick trigger was going to take a little bit of pressure off that poor unit. The problem is, is that they also can't establish anything in the run game because they're poor in that category as well. So unless they're getting positive yards through the air on first and second down, they're still going to struggle because anything more than a three-step drop, there's going to be somebody in King's lap. Yeah. And and see, we've seen it tonight. This was not planned at all by us. We've seen it tonight several times. They've gotten third and long. They don't know what to do. They they don't. There was third and fourteen, and just it was just like it was like it was chaos back there. So you see, um, automatically they have their weak. They have their weakness. Their defense looks good. The pass rush does not. You can tell they're missing a guy who's going to be a first round pick. Yeah, you can. Tell. I mean, right now it's an even game, other than a safety missing a fill and letting a fourth oh, and one. Uh, <laughs> dive go for 50 yards you know what really grinds brian's gears <laughs> oh man i was i was telling some other folks i'm gonna start i'm gonna start my own little video series of just me watching film of safeties either filling late soon or in the wrong gap or what, what we've got coming do, in with the wrong leverage we're gonna filling create- is fundamental 
Hey, that's what we need to do. But along with this podcast, we're just going to do a 10-minute video of bad safety fills. <laughs> I'll bring it up. I'll say there, and we'll just let you give the reactions in your face. You know, just like it's it's going to be like the Gruden um, quarterback thing. <laughs> it's just going to be Gruden shitting on quarterback play. It's going to be me shitting on safety's filling. <laughs> Tell me what you did wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you choose the wrong side? <laughs> oh yes, you did. You chose the wrong side. Yeah, I've got to come up with a shtick though. Like I need, I need some sort of catchphrase or, you know, change my voice slightly so it like overemphasizes the wrong word. <laughs> Too funny, man. <laughs> All right, hey, well, Brian, since we do have, did he pick that? Oh, Mahomes almost made a massive mistake. This is what happens live podcast. We're not editing that out either. No. Nope. <laughs> All right. So we got games this weekend, Brian, and I thought what we would do as the season gets here is we're going to weekly, we are going to pick, obviously we're going to pick the Hokie game, um, but we're going to do the other ACC games well against the spread, maybe throw in some over-unders where we see happening, and then we're going to look at one out-of-conference game. So, Brian, I'm going to let you lead us off. We've got Syracuse UNC. UNC is laying 22 and a half points. What you got? Uh, give me cues in the points. And I am going to agree with you on that. <laughs> it's 22 and a half with, you know, a team last year that you take away the Temple game. Every game was like a one or two pointer. You're telling me that that defense got that much better in the season. And I'm not saying Syracuse is a world beater, but I don't see 22 and a half points. Um, uh, the over-under, I think, was like 65. So what they're saying is basically 42-22 type game. Um, and I just can't see UNC covering. I think Syracuse can get a couple late scores to make it a little more interesting. So we, we agree on that one. All right. Um, Duke, Notre Dame. I'll jump on that one, Brian. All right. What you got? Notre Dame laying 20. I am going to take the Irish. Um, in this case, I'm also looking at the over-under of 54, go over 54. Notre Dame has some players to score points. I think Cutcliffe with the new quarterback could probably get a few extra on there to get that over. Not by more than 20, though. What about you? Yeah, I'm going the same route. I'm taking the Irish here. Um, I just don't think with working in a new quarterback that Duke's going to be firing enough on all cylinders to to put up quite enough points to – close the spread there i do think you're right about the over under though so yeah we'll, we'll see how that goes but yeah I, i'm gonna take uh take the irish on this one yeah hey, i feel like it's gonna be like irish mid 40s duke you know 21 like 45 yeah. or the, the the overs hit easy so yeah all right brian we got next georgia tech florida state florida state Laying 12 and a half. What do you got here? <sighs> Call me crazy. I'm going Florida State here. Ooh. I'm buying a little bit of the hype. Not much of the hype, but just enough of the hype. <laughs> buying just enough of the Mike Norvell hype to uh, say 12 and a half versus a Georgia Tech team. Um. I'm going to go lead the course on you, not so fast. I'll take Georgia Tech. Give me the 12 and a half. Um, 
they played hard last year for Jeff Collins. I think they'll continue to play hard. Um, I think this one's going to be more of a grind. I think what Collins like to do, and you mentioned what seems like decades ago, the power run game. I think that they're going to probably try to slow it to a crawl against them. They're going to try to slow it down. Don't get me wrong. Marvin Wilson and some of those guys at FSU on that line are beasts. I think they're going to try to slow it down, and I'm, I'm sorry, Florida State's – they have the second-worst offensive line in the ACC. They do. <laughs> Their offensive line is is pretty atrocious as well. But I think some of – you know, we, we, we said it with Miami. I don't think Miami's quite having as much luck, but I think some of the offensive um, wrinkles that are going to be brought to the table are going to help take some of that load off the offensive line. I think they're probably a little improved based on what they were last year. Um, hopefully more improved than what Miami is showing right now. Um, <laughs> if I'm going to be correct in my, my guess here, but <laughs> I, I, th- I think Florida state is going to be an improved team this year. So okay. I don't think they're going to be great, but they will be improved. So I'm going to take them here. Got it. All right. So the big matchup, Oh, the big matchup, <clears throat> Game what, day. Hold on. In what should have been Virginia Tech, Penn State, game day in Blacksburg. Yep. In the weekend. Um, the big game day matchup is Clemson Wake Forest. Wake gets to host game day with no fans, which sucks. I don't I'm, I'm, Game I'm, day in Winston with no fans. In the middle of the stadium. Bro. All right. Wake Clemson behind. You seen the line for this? Yeah, I saw the line. Um, they they went they went full full <laughs> bore Clemson there. I think Clemson's laying thirty three. I think last year they laid thirty eight and they covered without ease. They're, they're going to cover this again. <laughs> I mean, that's my thought. Thirty three. I think they're easily going to cover it. Uh, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> Give me waking the points. I don't think that this Clemson offense is going to get to 50. And I think if they want to cover, they got to get to 50. All right. I, I know that wake is losing a, a good deal on, on offense, including their, their quarterback from last year, but I think they can get to like 17 against Clemson. And I don't think Clemson gets to <laughs> much more than 45. So the math works in my favor if I if I'm subtracting correctly there. You are. If, if it's 49, 17, you get me by a point. So <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, got a couple more matchups here. One more ACC. Last ACC matchup this week is Western Kentucky Louisville. Louisville laying 11 and a half. Um. <laughs> what you think, man? Well, I mean, Western Kentucky was a good team last year. I mean, they were nine and four, which is, you know, the first thing you, this early in the season, if you're looking at lines and we're doing this for fun, maybe it'll be a beer bet or something at the end of the season. Yeah. But it, the first thing we go, the first thing you go look at is like, well, let me look at last season, nine and four. That's not bad. You know, they're, they're not a, they're playing an okay conference. Um, I just feel like it's smelly. It's one of those smellies like they want you to take Western Kentucky. Like, oh, look, good team. Oh, Louisville was good too. So 
I got to go Louisville. I think Louisville's going to win by more than 11 and a half. I, I, I don't see them like blowing doors off of Western Kentucky. I don't see it like them by four scores, but I, I see them like 17. Somewhere yeah, like. I, I see this as a 17 or a 21 point game. Um, I think Louisville's offense is going to be too much, um, regardless of, of whether Western Kentucky can score on Louisville's defense or not. Um, you know, Louisville is probably one of the five best teams in the ACC this year. I just think they're going to have more in the tank, especially on offense. And I, th- I think they're, you're going to see their offense probably take another step this year um, relative to last year. So I think they're going to score some points. They'll be in probably at least in the low 40s, I would say. And I don't think Western Kentucky gets in the in the 30s. So. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. How you how you do things? It's like you have to logically play it out in your head. Like, they can get to forty. They get to no. They can't get to thirty. They can't get to thirty. Don't see that. Yeah, 27. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna go the one out of conference game. Um, lots to choose from this week. <laughs> but I gotta go with uh, since this team gave us what potentially is going to be our starting center for this year. Coastal Carolina, Kansas, 10 o'clock Eastern time zone kick, Big 12 after dark. <laughs> Kansas giving or laying six and a half. What do you think, Brian? Uh, I think Kansas is going to cover. I think they're going to be just enough to cover that. Although I do think Coastal Carolina is going to give them all they want for four quarters. All right. Coastal Carolina's winning this game outright. So give me the points. Coastal's winning this game. Lock and load. Lock, Lock that one up. Lock it in. <laughs> they are definitely going to uh, win this game. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just good to have football back. We're sitting here tonight. We're watching. Um, you know, I think there's some games tomorrow night, then a pretty good slate Saturday to where I, 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 am I going to be locked in for every game like I would on the second weekend? Cause usually the second weekend is going to be big matchups, cross conferences, even some early in season, big conference matchups. Probably not, but you know, just to see it, 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 it makes us feel like we're in some sort of normalcy. Um, even without fans in the stands, you know, it's it, 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 it's our traditions. You sit around on Saturday, you, you sip a few brews, eat a little food, and watch some college football. Yeah, I'm looking forward to feeling like that normal, as normal as it can be, sports Saturday now. Um, just, you know, getting some beers, oh, making oh. some food, barbecuing some, some meat. What you got? What you, what you, what's on the menu? Saturday menu for Saturday. Um, I think I'm going to do some poor man's burn ins. I'm going to get some, some Chuck roast, smoke them up, cut them up. A little brown sugar and barbecue sauce. Let them cook a little longer. A little, little meat candy. Very nice. My friend. Very nice. What about you? You got anything, uh, on the docket you're going to bring to the table? Um, I got like three, I got like, Full one-inch pork chops that were supposed to get cooked tonight, but didn't because 
chaos broke out in my house. So maybe I'll grill those up on Saturday evening. There you go. There um, you go. It's too early though, because sometimes you 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 love to cook and grill. And don't get me wrong, I love to cook and grill as well. But sometimes on Saturdays, it's just like, huh, just, what, what do you want to order? You want to get some Hurley's wings? Yeah, let's do it. Halftime, halftime happens in 20 minutes. I'm calling it in now. So when halftime hits, I can drive up there and get them. There you go. Yeah, yeah. you got to time it right. You got to. Oh, that's gonna be 15 minutes. All right. All right. I'll. Uh, yep. Now. Leave the house now. Get there. Get back. Maybe miss. One play. Second half kickoff. Maybe maybe a couple plays, but. Ah, I can live with that. Absolutely. Well, folks, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe for our podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our friend Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. As always, thank you for listening. And let's go. Okies. Well, I almost gave up drinking I cut back the three a day I even started exercising As middle-aged never shaved And I quit smoking Marlboro Red I ain't a salad Last week she up and left